Welcome to another episode of the Talking Blues Podcast. I am Josh and I am joined by one of my co-hosts today, Peter. We are excited to bring you this recap of the Chelsea-Burnley match. But, but, we are here late, okay? We understand that. Um, busy, busy, busy Saturday, okay? Busy weekend. We're here on Sunday, though. Hopefully this episode also comes out on Sunday, so you're not waiting too long. And luckily, Chelsea don't play until later this upcoming week, but it is going to be two matches in, in a short period of time. They're playing Thursday against Norwich City, and then they're playing Newcastle on Sunday. So it's going to be a quick turnaround, but they got some time to rest and train uh, for the Norwich City match on Thursday. In the meantime, let's go into this recap on this match. A 4-0 victory for Chelsea. Three goals in the span of about seven minutes. Exciting stuff. And some nice goals in there as well. Some players playing well. Although in the first half, it was, it was honestly, the chances were, possession-wise, Chelsea was leading while Burnley uh, led in the created opportunities. I don't know how much you watched this match, Peter, but um, that is something that I definitely noted on from the first half. And then once it came to the second half, Chelsea just took control of every single chance they got uh, against a, let's just say, weaker opposition and got the victory. Did it pretty handedly as well. So with that, I'll bring in yourself. And Peter, how are you? And your thoughts on the match? Well, I'm doing well. I always It's always more fun to be here after we have a nice, very good win. Uh, I'll kind of just repeat what you said, because, I mean, that's what I was going to say. You basically just stole it. You know, thank you for that. But in the first half, we had all this possession, but Burnley just put literally everybody back. And so we couldn't find a way to break them down. So we ended up just kind of passing around the back and eventually we'd just give the ball away or we'd have a shot and then they'd uh, they'd go on the break and then they'd have the better chances even though we had probably like 75-80% possession, which is usually how Burnley plays. But then, like you said, four goals in the second half, three goals in a span of like 5-10 minutes because it all started from Reese James who originally, well, I mean, Reese James scored like two, three, four minutes very early into the second half. But it all came from him just being just really, just really creative. I mean, like a double fake shot into a great finish, which was what it took to break down their low block. And then, I mean, that started everything that gave us confidence, that gave us momentum. And that meant that Burnley couldn't just sit with 11 people back because they would need a goal to get a point, which gave us more space, more time, and allowed us to just be more actually creating chances, which led to those goals. And I think, Peter, you're exactly right. They had 11 back, and I think that's how they were able to quickly counterattack because with 11 back, then Chelsea decided to just push all their 11 up, leading to, you know, one turnover led to maybe a three-on-two, a two-on-one, whatever, going the opposite way. And that's what led to Burnley getting most of the counterattacking opportunities and one of them coming off of Edward Mendy's absolute awful punch. Well, you know, we can get to that in a little bit. But... um you know, that's just something that, that you noted on that I wanted to kind of clean up. So anyway, go ahead. I mean, that's basically it. I mean, a few players you want to point out. I mean, Reese James, extremely, extremely good. I'm so glad he's back, you know. Uh, no offense to Aspi, but I mean, I, it's so much better having Reese James on the one who can run up and back, defend great, and he's just so, so dangerous when you have the ball. He's always a threat to provide a great cross or score a goal by dribbling past like three players like he did. Uh, like he did for the first goal. Uh, Kai Havertz is also continuing a run of good form, two goals. Uh, I mean, they weren't the greatest goals. One was a nice header. The other one was a bit of a bit of a tap-in, but, you know, we take it. Uh, he's playing very well, which I'll pose a question here to you, Josh. What do you think we do with Lukaku? Because obviously 
he hasn't been playing. Uh, Kai Havertz has been playing very well. And now this is an, another thing. If Abramovich does sell the club, Abramovich is the owner who bought Lukaku. So would Tuku even feel like, hey, I need to play him so that Abramovich doesn't feel like he wasted a bunch of money? Because if he's selling the club anyway, the new owner coming in won't really have an opinion and he'd just be another player. So what do you think happens to him now? I don't think we talked about the most recent news with Roman Abramovich. Our last episode was what? The Monday was the EFL Cup reaction. So that was about a week ago. And I think at that point, all we knew was that Abramovich was stepping back. But now, obviously, we know that he is leaving the club completely. Uh, and and I don't know if we have an update exactly on like what he's going to do, but we assume he's going to sell the club if, if not, he already has like listed it up. I don't know the exact details with that, but I just know that the first uh, statement from Abramovich was that I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to leave it to the Chelsea board to make those crucial decisions. And then it was, I'm completely, I'm stepping away from the club completely. And it's the end of the Roman Abramovich era uh, at this point as the Chelsea owner. Um, so I, I, when it comes to Romelu Lukaku in that scenario, well, this has been a crazy year uh, for the striker, whether it's the comments that he made about how he misses Inter Milan, about um, the love-hate relationship with him and, and Chelsea supporters, you know, the, the, the amazing start he had to the season, scoring a few goals in a couple of games uh, and then leading to an injury, you know, it. It hasn't been good. It hasn't been a good season for Romelu Lukaku, honestly. Um, and I think it's it's tough. It really is. To answer your question, I think my opinion is you have to somehow figure out a way for Lukaku to go somewhere else. I think it hasn't worked out. It could still work out in the future. I know it's been even less than a season since he's been here, but just... Ever since the Milan comments, you know, I I can't I can't see that they're all positive and there's nothing going on there in the dressing room. And I just feel like all these other Chelsea players, they seem to have a bond and a connection, a friendship, loyalty, and it's just like Lukaku's like sitting on the edge, like about to fall off. He's just not there with them. It's not the same community as the other guys. I don't know if that's because they grew up together, right, with the academy, most of them. Uh, but even, like, guys like Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, they seem to have a really big bond and relationship. I don't know if you see this, Peter. It's just me. But even those guys who came in just over, you know, two, a season or two ago now, they seem like they fit with all the other Chelsea guys, and it just doesn't seem like Romelu Lukaku has the same connection with uh, the players and, you know, with this club. I mean, I completely agree. There's definitely these kind of groups, like what you're saying in the dressing room, where they're friends, and then Lukaku's kind of just he's just he's just like there. He's not really a part of anything. He's not really good friends with anyone, and that's just off the pitch. I mean, on the pitch, he doesn't have a connection with anyone either. I mean, he's much like in the dressing room. On the pitch, he's just kind of there. He just gets a goal from being there, and most of the time, he's just there. He doesn't really do anything. He gets like three touches in a game. He He's not involved in the play. But then when we bring in these other players like Kai Havertz up to striker, we just play so much better and it works out so much better. And we just have all these chances and we play so well and we look so dangerous and we look like we're actually playing like a good team, like the team that won the Champions League last season, not like a team that's playing with 10 men and has a red card because the striker got red carded somehow, even though he's really there, but just standing there doing nothing. So... I pretty much agree with you. I mean, we have to find somewhere to get out of him. Or 
I don't even uh, who knows what will happen, but I think especially if Abramovich does end up selling and Tuchel has like no like immediate like need to play him to justify the investment. I think we won't see a lot of Lukaku for the rest of the season or for the rest of a lot of time. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's going to be it's it's an interesting decision and it's going to be one that's not that's not up to us. Right. Uh, we, we just follow the team. We're not the ones owning the team. So we're going to be here talking about it no matter what happens. And I think that's going to be um, the end of end, end of that statement there. So I want to go on to Edward Mendy because I mentioned it earlier. Um, try to clear the ball uh, on a terrible cross and then almost, I forget the Burnley player specifically, but Burnley almost got a goal back and it could have been a 1-0 game at that point. Well, I mean, uh, you know it's you know it's a big deal when if Edouard Mendy makes one mistake, everyone's on him. I think that just shows how good he is. I mean, you definitely don't want, especially against Burnley. Like if they scored, if they got a goal there, I mean... They'll just sit 11 men back, and we probably wouldn't have been able to break them down, except for maybe if Reese James did some magic again. But, I, you know, see, that's like the first Keppa. I don't want to say Keppa, because Keppa's been good, and I don't want to drag him. But that's the first Keppa-like mistake by Mendy, where he, he makes a mistake that could or does relate almost directly to a goal. But, I mean, he's been so good for so long. I mean, everybody has... Everyone always makes that one mistake, and you only, especially when you've been as good as Mendy has, it's when you make that one mistake that everyone starts being like, oh, maybe he's not as good as we think he is, even though he's clearly still one of the best keepers in the world. Hopefully he doesn't do that in a game yeah. soon where we actually, it would be important if we don't score, the, uh, like where they'd actually score, and he just doesn't <laughs> do that a game in an important game, but it'll be fine. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not saying it of like I'm dragging Mendy. I just thought that was a crucial mistake, and this this game could have been anything but a Chelsea victory if that goal happened to go in, but it didn't. And we're you know we're sitting here saying what if, and that's that's a good thing because you know a four 0 victory is a four 0 victory. And again, one goal, the first goal from Reese James, a nice. That was a right foot, right? It was a right foot. Yeah, right foot, right foot, bottom left. I think like through yeah. like three people too. Oh, he's so good. Beautiful from the forty in the forty seventh minute. Then I think it was the Kai Havertz header in the fifty third minute, and then like Peter said, kind of a tap in the fifty fifth. And same thing with Christian Pulisic. He got I think the easiest tapping out of all of them uh, in the sixty ninth minute. So good for Pulisic. Hopefully helps his confidence. Uh, you know we're rooting for him right as as the American supporters. So um, the good good for him there. Going into the match stats, you have Chelsea leading in shots eleven to six. Five of those being on target. Possession, 73%. Chelsea led that to a small 27% for Burnley. Uh, Chelsea led with almost 500 more passes than Burnley with a total of 790. Fouls, 12 to 7 Burnley. Uh, Yellow cards, 2 to nothing Burnley. And then there were five corners to two. Uh, Burnley led that as well. And besides that, you know, the, the, the bad punch by Mendy, which happens from time to time with any goalkeeper, uh, in any league of, of football, just that's just a thing that happens when it's hard with your fist. If you miss contact anywhere on the ball, it could go the wrong way. So I don't blame Edward Mendy for that. But but I was going to say, besides that, he was pretty solid in the net. And, uh, you know, Burnley didn't have many chances anyway, because our back line is just rock solid. And uh, we just did everything we need to do on offense, which leads Chelsea to third in the Premier League table. Again, still... Uh, at least, or they are 10 points behind Liverpool uh, in second. And then Liverpool is, what, seven, six points behind 
uh, Man City in first. So as long as we keep this place in third uh, in the Prem, that's a good thing. And and you just hope you cannot because right now it is Arsenal uh, in fourth. Right now the 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 Manchester rivalry right now, Man City versus Man United, is happening as we're recording, and the score I believe is tied at ones. So you cannot have Arsenal leap over um, Chelsea. That that would just be completely embarrassing. Oh, I just wanted to say, uh, I literally, as you said, one one, I got a notification that uh, Man City is now up two one. Uh, De Bruyne had a goal apparently, but I mean, I'll, I'll also talk about the table because I mean, I didn't want to interrupt you, but now I ended up interrupting you, but. Obviously, Arsenal does have a, a game in hand against us, but we are a few points up on them, which should be good. And, you know, I know you see that we're a lot of points behind Liverpool and City, but we do have our next five games, I think, are against very easy teams. So if we win all of those games, you never know what could happen. Liverpool could get an injury to one of their key players or multiple of their key players, like what happened last season, and we could be right back in it. But that's all I want to say. We still have a chance, but realistically, win these games and we'll stay in third. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and that's two for De Bruyne, by the way. He scored in the fifth minute as well. So uh, something to note on, I, I think. Um, yeah, so there, there's that. Uh, I'm just writing it down now. Are you ready, Peter, for the uh, for the player ratings that we do? I'm always ready. Time okay. to set a new record because Alec isn't here to mess me up. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, again, Chelsea versus Burnley. And it's just going to be you, Peter, today. I'm writing it in the doc. So let's go. Uh, if you're not, you know, if you're new or you're back, we go through Fan Nation's Absolute Chelsea website, their player ratings out of 10 with the 11 players here. Uh, the record that it is right now is 7 for 11. Alex and Peter have matched that at least three times so far this season, but not past 7 for 11. So let's see if Peter Solo can do that. We start with Edward Mendy in goal out of 10. I think this one's probably either a 5 or a 6. I mean, we did have this whole discussion about, obviously, his big mistake that almost led to the goal. So, but he also, I mean, he he wasn't very good, but I mean... He was quite average, but I'll go a five just because of that mistake. So you you were aiming low, uh, and I thought you were actually going to aim higher than this. It's going to be a six for Edward Mendy in goal, so not starting off to the best of things. That's going to give you an O for one, but you know it's okay. You can bounce back from it. It's just a start. We got uh, Trevor Chalaba in the back line. I mean, kind of like Mendy, he was pretty average. He didn't really do anything special. I mean, right. actually. I think he might have gotten the assist on the Reese James goal, but that's like an assist in quotation marks. But I think I think he gets a six. Yeah, correct. It is a six out of ten for Trevor Chalaba, and and like you said, uh, Chalaba didn't do anything too crazy. Um, but again, just a solid guy in the back line, but very average performance. And we move to a well, I don't want to say anything. Uh, we move to Thiago Silva, the the center of this back line. What does he get out of ten? You know, I'm, I was going to go like a seven, but you know, the way you're saying it makes me think I should bump it up. You made it seem like he was going to have a very good performance here. You're, well, he had a very good performance, but you know, a very good rating here. So, you know, maybe I'll bump that up to an eight. Yeah, I gave away too much there. It was an eight out of 10 for Tiago Silva. Uh, kind of gave you a little hint. You're welcome for that on the path that makes you two for three now. Um, and then as well, I'm not going to do it for Tiago Silva, but if there's a player that, you know, Peter either wants a description of, 
um, or, you know, it's really far off from what he decides is the rating. Uh, I do like to read it out. And it's especially funny because the, uh, I guess the dramatic word choices that absolute Chelsea uses, I have trouble reading that. Yes, it's bad. So we'll have to see if that comes up in this one, but just wanted to point that out there. Antonio Rudiger. This one's kind of tough because I think he was also pretty average, kind of like uh, Chalabo was. But is he a six? I don't know. But I think I'll go six just because I think he really, kind of like Chalabo, didn't really do anything special, but didn't really do anything bad. So that's going to put you at two for four. Antonio Rudiger being a seven out of ten. Um, and that moves to Reese James. We talked about him a lot this episode. What could his rating be out of ten? Uh, well, I'd say 10, but they never give out 10, so I'll go 9, but he definitely, he's the man of the match, so usually the man of the match gets a 9, in my eyes. But- yeah, no, you're right. Uh, that's going to put you at 3 for 5. Reese James, a 9 out of 10, and honestly, since he is the man of the match here, uh, I will read his little bio, and let's see how well I do it. Back in the starting 11, uh, and back amongst the goals, picking up exactly where he left off after a month lost to injury. The difference maker in his first start in what feels like a lifetime for Blues fans. The scary thing is that he still arguably looks like a, oh no, Smid, Smidgen? Smidgen off full pace. Smidgen? Smidgen off full pace. Although that's to be expected as he works off the ring rust. Too much for the Clarence uh, to hand, Clarets, Clarets, yeah, to handle even when not at 100%. Fitness and his return is welcome and timely for the run in. Okay. Next player on the list, Roginio in the midfield. What does he get out of 10, Peter? I usually, I always do this, but it never works by like comparing the players to the other players. Like, you know, it didn't work for Rudiger, but I think uh, Roginio, he was average you know he didn't really do anything special but he didn't do everything bad so you know i'll go six again okay it's gonna be a seven for okay. Jorginho out of ten in the midfield we move to the next midfielder angolo Conte. okay well now see now i'm going away from my shallow comparisons and i'm going to my Jorginho comparison and i'll go Conte getting a seven yep good job okay. the yep. Uh, adjustment there that puts you at four for seven um, so we move to Saul in the midfield. Oh, interesting. I- I'm going to be surprised at what you put here, I think. We'll see. I mean, well, do I dare say it again? I mean, he was average. He didn't really do anything special, but he didn't do anything bad. Uh, he had a few kind of bad giveaways, which led to some chances. But, you know, it's oh. Saul. That's kind of to be expected. So, so. you know, I want to say six, but I don't want to say six because it's going to be higher than a six. But I have to say six because that's like what I've said for all the people I've said that for. So I'll go six. Oh, it was a seven out of ten for Saul in the midfield. That puts you at four for eight. So in order to at least what tie it right, you have to get all these three right. Mm-hmm. So let's see if you can do so at least tie the record of what we got here. Seven for 11 with Mason Mount. Ooh. I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot Mount was even in this yeah. game. I mean, compared to like Havertz, James, mm-hmm. and Pulisic. Didn't really do much. It didn't really do much attacking-wise. So um, I don't want to go five because I think four no win, you know, they're bumping everybody up a bit. So I'll go six. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. Six out of ten for Mason Mount. That's going to put you at five for nine. So you're on pace for it. Just can't break now. And this is going to be interesting, right? Because Kai Havertz nailing in two goals, Christian Pulisic nailing in one. How are they going to rate them? As you know, we already talked about Reese James most likely being like the man of the match uh, for this one, getting a nine out of ten. How does Absolute Chelsea do uh, with these other guys who notched in some goals as well in this 4-0 win for Chelsea? Let's start out with Christian Pulisic before we go to Kai Havertz. Mm, Christian Pulisic, okay. Oh, I mean, he obviously got that really easy goal that the Burnley player had a nice (laughs) assist to him for, you know. But he did have a nice cross to Kai Havertz for that goal. That was a very nice assist. I mean, he looked pretty dangerous. Mm -hmm. So it's an 8 or a 9, but the question is, do they think Reese is the definite man of the match? If you know, there's kind of some room for other people to be man of the match because, because in my eyes, hey, I think four no win. Can I can I go can I go into Havertz too? You know, I kind of you want to do both in one? Yeah, go ahead. I do want to go because I'm thinking Havertz has to be a nine because I mean two goals. You know, mm-hmm. that's a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. So he has to be a nine. But then, do they, would they really give about three nines? You know, so I think yeah. I'm gonna go Havertz nine and mm-hmm. Pulisic eight because three nines. I mean. That, that's pretty high. That's uh-huh. that's that's a bit too many. So Havertz that, that, is, that is a eight. bit too many for you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's a bit too many for Absolute Chelsea. Uh, three nines. Bad. They do give out three nines. So th- yeah. So Kai Havertz and Christian Pulisic getting a nine out of ten. I'm going to read both of their descriptions. I think they deserve it. Uh, not the way I read them. They don't deserve that. But they deserve to get praise. So uh, this Christian Pulisic first. His full flow was often curtailed by being scythed down more often than not with minimal symphony from the officials. He wasn't really given a moment's peace nor an inch of space. So he did amazingly well to fashion, to deliver a perfect picture, perfect cross on a postage stamp for Havertz to nod home. The second, the most proactive and hardworking member of the attacking unit and deserves full credit for it. Just as he deserves his goal for which he was full value then on to Kai Havertz on perhaps one of his finest runs of form for the Blues but question marks have been raised over his ability to produce in those fixtures not deemed to be big games in quotes this th- uh, this then was an emphatic um, retort uh, bagging himself a brace through poachers instinct there's an argument to be made that he just so happened to be on the end of his teammates superb work for his reading and know-how of the game is elite. A vintage number nine performance. And there you go. Your Chelsea player ratings are 6 out of 10 for Peter today against Burnley. But you know, that's okay because we got two other matches coming up within the next week that he could bounce back and do even better. Uh, Peter, I don't know how what we're going to do podcast-wise. I assume, I assume we're going to do match recap of... Like not match recap, but like going through and talking about both games, uh, Norwich City and Newcastle on Sunday episode, maybe, or maybe we do too. I don't know. Um, I also think we talked about last episode that we mentioned Luton Town, um, in this episode. So yeah, I, I completely forgot. But Chelsea beat Luton Town in the FA Cup fifth round three two. Was not one of the best Chelsea performances by far. Uh, they put out, I mean, it was even Ruben Loftus-Cheek right at center back. So uh, that was that was not fun to watch. Luckily, Chelsea came back. They got the win. But anyway, yeah, we, we, we most likely needed to talk about the Burnley match in this one. So with that, Peter, I'll go send it to you for your final thoughts before we wrap this one up. Um, 
I'll talk about the Luton Town performance for a second. I'll say, you know, even though you did point out Loftus-Cheek, I'll give him some praise because I think he was actually quite solid at center back considering he's not a center back. Uh, I'll also praise the players, all of them, because, I mean, being able... Okay, we should be able to beat Luton Town, but considering the lineup we had out there, it would it was more of a shot. I mean, I think the scoreline was fair considering the team we had out there. Luton Town is not the yeah. weakest side, but... You know, we Tuchel does what he can do. I mean, we had barely any players because we got a game. Well, we had the Liverpool game right before it. So, you know, we got the win. That's what matters. On to the next round. Yeah, I mean, the only player to point out for me is it was a little scary for Malang Sar there. Uh, very bad. <laughs> Basically gave away a goal. So, but that, that's it for me. Uh, that's it for Peter as well. So you can go follow us on Twitter and TikTok at the at Talking Blues Pod. I'm on Twitter at Joshola29. You can also find everywhere you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and look up shipastudios.com slash Talking Blues to find out all the places where you can listen to the pod again. I don't know what we're going to exactly do, but you'll probably hear from us in a week or less. So again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Go Blues. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.